Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I'm still recovering from injuries, but hopefully, you know, along the path, we're recording this a little early uh, because we are going hiking. Uh, so hopefully this podcast got posted while we were still hiking. It's the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. So we got away uh, for some time in nature. Hopefully you did similar or are planning on getting some time in the fall, fall colors and so forth. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. This is going to be our, our longest sort of through hikey type situation that we've done together, but also that DW has done. Yeah, longest in terms of number of days. Yeah, so this is going to be, you know, if all goes well, four days. So we'll see. A lot of kilometers. Three nights. Yeah, not, not extreme. We've had people on uh, talking about these big, you know, long trips. You know, some of the, sometimes it's impressive to say you ran something really quickly, right? But there's a a certain, you know, you don't need to be prepared, you know, if it all goes well, uh, for nearly the amount of time, right? Carrying the food, building fires. There's a lot of stuff you just sort of skip through, which seems snazzy and fancy, right? But it's, you're sort of just not taking, you know, you're not learning all these other things and appreciating, you know, what goes into surviving for multiple days away from the right conveniences and trappings of life yeah no it's actually funny so the uh, route that we're doing is the same first day that our friend karen just ran for day one of her bruce trail excursion oh, so same go. total I hadn't thought about it like that but yeah well i asked her though i was like karen because karen's coming with us and i was like karen which do you think is going to be harder uh the hike or was the run harder and she's like oh no the hike is always harder than the uh yeah than that because you have to carry stuff. And we've said that about La Cloche and Killarney Park. Hiking it is significantly harder than running it in a lot of ways, especially when you're trying to hike it fairly quickly. We'll call it efficiently. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, it's tough to do when you're, yeah, carrying all of your stuff. So that's what we're up to. Yeah, we have some good questions today. Is there any other uh, notes or, or mailings or, or so forth that you want to get out here while we're... Ooh, I do actually have one exciting thing, and that is just that Shred Girls 3 is out November 20th. Okay. Yeah, super yeah. excited about that. That is going to be uh, Jen's Bumpy Ride. Uh, if you've been following along with the Shred Girls series, Jen is the third and final story that we're telling in the, the Shred Girls books. Uh, you've already met Lindsay, you've met Allie, and now you get to meet Jen in a much more personal way. She's the super perfectionist who just wants to win every bike race. So naturally for this one, we're actually going bike packing and really getting yeah. away from racing. Slowing it down. That's what we're talking about. Slowing it down to speed it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's that's going to be a really good one. I honestly, I know I say this for every Shred Girls book, but they're all like this has been my favorite one to write. I think just because I got to really write about bike packing, and that's pretty, right. pretty just fun. And I think it's a good one for. I'd say it's a good one to get a kid into bikes who maybe isn't yet because it's a bit more campy and like not campy not like campy. hilarious. Yeah, you didn't mean camping. Yeah. There, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's another way to enjoy bikes, right? I think that sometimes we get so into this racing, especially if you race and then you're trying to get kids in, you know, racing is this, this thing we're trying to do, but there's all, uh, there's a few clubs locally that are doing such a great job with just more of like enduro club or free ride club or whatever, right? Kids are just riding and playing on their bikes. 
Uh, and we say that, but uh, you know, it's hard to actually execute. So I think this is, this is very good that you're sort of putting this out there where Jen is the perfectionist and, and maybe she f actually finds for her, it might be therapeutic, but another kid, it might actually be like, wow, a bike lets me go on these, you know, adventures to my friend's house to start. Right. And yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, cool. uh, and also Jen gets to make some of the classic bike packing mistakes that I personally made the first time I was on a trip. So Okay, we're all learning. We're all learning. When is it coming? What can people do with this information? Yeah, it's coming November twentieth. And while we won't really do any in person launch stuff, we will do some virtual fun stuff. So you can just head over to shred girls.com and just make sure you send up for the newsletter. Uh I'll have all the dates and information and order information over there and of course when it is out we'll post a link to pretty much everywhere so yeah just keep an eye out for that it's going to be out in time for christmas uh we actually have two new um hoodies in the shred girl store too that are uh, inspired by the cover design for this one so very bike packy very fun i'm very excited about them so yeah cool definitely well congratulations congratulations on that thanks um, dear yeah you okay, know. but let's get into these questions. Okay, yeah, we have three today, and we're going to try and roll through these fairly quickly. If you do have questions, you know, you can shoot those over at the contact page at uh, consummateathlete.com. You can also always drop them into the direct messages, drop into the DMs. Uh, if you will. <laughs> and, and let us know what you're thinking, right? You could certainly, you know, we'll take questions on anything. Don't worry if it's, you know, certainly can do a search. We might have talked about this in a podcast before uh, or in an article, uh, but, you know, everyone's got their own little twist on these questions, too. So we're happy to sort of revisit things as well. So certainly just drop in that question when in doubt uh, and we'll try and get to it. We're trying to do more of these. We can always do a second episode. Uh, so without further ado. Oh, actually, one more note. And then then we'll get into the doing. Uh, we, uh, you might have noticed that this is now up on video. So we'll have most episodes. You're over promising because we don't know if it worked. But I okay. said most. Um, OK. OK, ideally. There's a chance uh, that this is up in video. Assuming that everything goes according to plan. This is up on video just over on Instagram, over on YouTube. So if that's how you prefer to listen to your podcasts, we're going to do the, uh, the Q&A ones, the ones that are just Peter and I. Uh, we'll all be video for now or from now on and then we'll be recording the intros to episodes so if you want to just kind of get a quick taste of you know who we have on what's so exciting about them why we're stoked to talk to them uh, we're going to be dropping those just into our Instagram every week yeah. or at least that's that's what we we're trying this, I might have not worn this random flat brim but there you go we're here well you know, okay real life real life yeah I mean we're all yeah Okay. Fashion choices. Our so first question here is coaching while racing. So we're not talking about coaching where you're sitting in front of the computer doing training peaks, kind of in a more traditional like nine to five, you work an office job kind of thing. Mm. We're talking more either you have an actual like normal nine to five job and then you're coaching your kids, I, theoretically cycling team in this case, or theoretically like running or something like that. Either way, you're coaching. Uh, with your probably your kids team but it might be just if you're a teacher you're coaching a, a school team so it's taking a lot of energy um, but you also have your own racing aspirations so what is it where is the balance how do you how do you handle that yeah I mean I have several clients who are you know all different again we're all coming from different areas different experiences and then what racing is, is is different and so what training is is different and you've even really had to kind of struggle with it no nah, i mean like that's, learn from that's this. i guess my life right but ultimately this comes down to like we're adults you got a lot of stuff on the go but you're you know you have a goal for yourself you want to do it but there's other stuff that sort of i'm gonna say takes away but it, it's not that other stuff isn't important right you just might be getting a promotion at work or you're now you're a ceo or you're trying to make you know pass the bar exam you're in med school you got kids having kids so this is sort of the ultimate question of like how do you pursue your athletic goals you know based on like time available 
mental energy, and physical energy. We can get more specific with this. And again, I have a few clients that go as them. So Molly's saying, okay, you're going to go to Tuesday and Thursday practice, Tuesday and Saturday practice, the Wednesday night race, whatever it is with this group of cyclists. So it's very specific. What I'm saying is I have a nine to five, whatever that is. It doesn't really matter. Maybe a family at home. And then you're going to also spend a few of your rides of the week with this group of athletes, kids, whatever. Um, it could be adults. It doesn't really matter. Uh, this question was more about like a, a kid's youth group, you know, not even the, the fastest maybe of the kids. So you're not, you know, the training isn't hugely, it's more focused on the coaching, which is good. Kudos for doing that. You know, so it's not a huge training ride for you, but then you also want to race, right? So you run into this, like you've just given up so quote unquote, not that it's not important. It's good. Kudos, but you've given up two workouts of the week, maybe, right? What do you do? right? Because you want to do well on the Sunday race. Well, I think to me, the first thing is actually you kept you keep catching yourself saying giving up. Um, so I think that the first thing is actually probably more of a mental thing where if you think that these coaching sessions aren't helping you get to your goal, they're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think first, just kind of flip trying to flip the script a little bit in your head and sort of look for the moments in those sessions that actually are helping you, yeah. uh, whether it's maybe you just jump into more of the practicing and like riding the stuff with the kids or you're just kind of, you know, practicing your track stands or whatever while you're, but just getting in the mentality of, no, this actually is a totally valid form of training of practice. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately I think you're right. And often when people say, Oh, I had to ride with a slow friend or my spouse or whatever. And it wasn't, it wasn't a workout. It was too slow. I usually look and it actually was a fine, like probably as you know, it was maybe on the low end of what we, you know, call endurance or effective training, but it, it was probably fine. So Molly's point is great. Maybe those two workouts are just low intensity workouts. You know, I love to see if you can ride to and or from, or a bit, get there early and ride a little bit, you know, maybe we call that setup or pre-riding surveying the scene. So you like ride the lap you're going to ride with the, the grouper the, you know, the athlete you're riding with. So, you know, this is effective because you're also preparing to be a good coach and you've like surveyed the scene for, you know, hazards or technical things. Um, and then you ride with the group or the client, it goes really smoothly. It's a good ride. You focus on coaching. Like the dilemma here is like, you can't, you can't do them both at the same time. Um, sometimes I'll have clients, oh, I know this is just like a crap, right? And it's like, no, I'm here coaching. Like, this is my job. Like, it's irrelevant that it's the same as, you know, what I want to do in my free time. Um, so I, I think you have to focus on the coaching when you're there because that's the commitment you've made. But there is, like, as Molly said, like, you could be working on log hopping when when it's, you know, part of the thing is that you could just be participating. You're you're just riding on trail, so you are going to hop logs. Uh, I, I think it's, it's to short, you know, you, you, it is beneficial. And then the other piece is just programming the week. I think the main thing is finding a day or two during the week where you can actually do like the quality workout that you think you need to be doing. So we'll call that a hill interval workout. So it's a Tuesday and a Saturday training group ride. So probably, you know, it looks like maybe, you know, Sundays probably you're going to end up doing like some sort of long ride or a race. So Mondays are probably, probably going to end up being off as for most people. Tuesdays are this group ride. So maybe Wednesdays could be like a longer endurance ride or something. Uh, If you feel fresh, you could go harder on Wednesday, but probably, you know, either Thursday or Friday are probably the days, right? Probably Friday would be the day to try and get a hard workout in, in this case. And then Saturday would be more of an endurance day. Again, maybe you can add a second workout or an early workout or a late workout to make a Saturday a bit more of a longer endurance. Again, it could be two separate workouts uh, if it has to be. 
and then you know whatever happens on Sunday, right? So that would be sort of the way is just think through the week where how you, how can you get the workout that's going to make you feel prepared? And I think you know as adults, if we can get one good one a week, we're probably away, especially when we're riding a bunch otherwise. Uh, so that would be, I guess, the main thing, right? The the tips and tricks are really that like ride before, ride after. Uh, maybe on the Saturday ride again, you, this particular person who was asking us this past weekend has kids, so they can't like really ride to and from, but maybe it's like bring the kids back home, dump them off. And then, you know, you just go for, you know, a two hour endurance ride. Right. And that makes Saturdays like a lot of moving in the day. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other real secrets. I'm trying to think through the different people that I've talked to in the years. Well, I think some of that, there's like a bit of occasionally you might be able to find someone else who can drive your kid home who also has a kid in the program sure. if you do live near someone. I know a lot of friends who do that and then they'll ride, like trade off who gets to ride or run home. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's definitely, you know, that's a potential option. Um, yeah, so I think it, it's just being a little bit flexible, but also just relaxing about the fact that you're doing it because I think we just kind of get so stressed about these things like i had that when i was coaching cross country a couple of years back i was very much like oh no my workouts aren't perfect or like oh no now i'm doing extra workouts or something and ultimately it really was not a big deal and some of this is you know you're, you're almost there it depends what coaching is again it can mean a lot of different things but sometimes you know the kids almost need you know a good role model uh you know someone to copy what they're doing right you know that sounds odd but like they want to see someone hopping a log and then they hop the log it's not that you're instructing them or have this magical keyword or something you're going to give them it's like they almost wanted just someone to play with and if you're really good at playing that's why sometimes having these like older athletes in with the group right it's it's like we call them coaches but it's actually they're just similar others who are doing the thing so sometimes it's like you just need to go there and, and play right and be a good model so Maybe it's okay. I think the only other thought I had is like, if you're real, if the goal you have is really ambitious, then that's where like, we need to be more and more focused and put more and more time in, right? Like the one athlete I'm thinking about, like he just won national championships, but coaches two and three days a week. And it's, he's lucky because the groups tend to be relatively quick. Um, but you know, he's also been racing for a long time. So it's like the goal he's like national championship sounds good. He doesn't win it every year. Uh, this is maybe three or four he's got over his like, you know, 20 plus years, but it just isn't that ambitious. Right. Which sounds weird, but it's like, he's done it a lot. That's the level he's been at for a long time. Right, so right. there's a certain amount of work he has to do. He can get better. He gets better every year. Uh, but for him, like actually playing with the kids and the kids are really good. Usually they, you know, they do all the tricks and he's come from way back in cycling. So he's not as good. He's getting older. So for him working for bunny hops is probably great. Right? It's probably going to make them faster versus just going out and doing, you know, master's rides on the road bike is probably not, you know, th the thing he needs to do a lot of. Yeah. And that gets right back to my like mentality of like, this is going to be a positive for me because yeah, often we, we don't really get out and do, do those play rides. Right. Like I know I'm much more inclined to, uh, to walk over something if it's just me in the woods, but if it's me like leading a group ride, or you know, riding with with friends or with girls, like I will try to do. If the you thing. see the similar other do the thing, you get an idea that it's like it could be possible. Even if the similar other is a six year old who just cleared a thing that I was very it nervous could be. about. Yeah, if like a little six year old does it, and and you know, sometimes that's all we need to see, right? Um, it used to perplex me that people would be like, "Oh, I want to follow you off of this," right? Because I was like, I would never, like, I still don't like, you know, but 
yeah, I think that's a lot of it, right? Is they want to know the speed and they want to know that someone else survived it, right? Yep. So that, that, that logic only goes so far, but that's the idea. Yeah, exactly. The last piece I had on this is just that there's seasons, there's cycles in the year, so we can periodize our year. So as the coach, you may have to take a backseat role. Maybe you're in charge. You said the training peaks or the organization, but you're not actually there on the Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, maybe you're in a different, maybe you'd work with the really fast group and you're actually like just there for supervision, adult supervision, but you're just getting towed along the whole time. Um, you know, trying to draft to stay in the group or something, if this was a road group, uh, you know, so seasonality, maybe you don't coach in the critical season, you know, your, your specific phase, but then maybe you coach a lot during your off season, you know, so just other disciplines that aren't your discipline. That might be, again, if the goal is ambitious, sometimes we need to, you know, there's sacrifices. We ask this in the goal setting stuff, uh, intakes and, and goal setting yearly goal setting forms is what do you, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? Right, right. What, right. Are you, what are you gonna have to sacrifice, right? Oh, you know, I, if I want to, you know, be fast at this, I, I can't be out late at night. I, you know, I can't be partying all yeah. the time. And I mean, now cycling is pretty much a year-round sport. Like I can name major races that are available for amateurs as well as pros that are running every month of the year. With like, e-racing, e right, track racing, fat bike racing, cyclocross, yeah. gravel, I mean, like yeah. mountain bike stage races, all this stuff. We just stuff. did mountain bike nationals in October. So yeah. I guess what I'm saying, like the schedules are more flexible. You might be kind of like in your local scene and you have like your local race series that's kind of in your head and that's right. what you've been stuck to. But maybe there's actually another goal out there that, you know, maybe it is traveling for a race that happens in May. So that way you're basically done with your A race before your coaching season even starts. And then you can still do your local stuff, but you have a little bit less stress about it because that wasn't the race. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So, cool. Well, that's enough on that. All right. Next question. Uh, it was Actually, we had two questions uh, pretty similar. So the one was a woman who missed her long rides uh, leading into a, a longer event. She missed them and the events in nine days. So she has time to do one more long ride ahead of the event. But does it make sense to actually do a, a longer ride to kind of make up for missing those two? Um, and then the other question we actually had was from a runner who sort of similar circumstance, uh, her longest run for prepping for a marathon did not go well. And she was about to be starting a like six week slow taper down to race day. Um, she's now, you know, two weeks out from four weeks out from the race, but two weeks after her like biggest run was supposed to be and wondering like, should she still do that big run? Um, but in her case, she has four weeks, not, uh, nine days. So let's start with maybe the nine day one and the bike first. Cause I think they're mm -hmm. similar questions, but possibly like pretty different answers. Yeah. And the difference between missing it and, and doing it, but it just not going, you know, maybe as, as amazingly as we hoped. Right. So, uh, I guess, so first of all, what is the efficacy of doing this long, long run or a ride this close to the event? Well, in the case of the like nine days out, you know, you missed it. So you maybe had like a, a tough weekend. You didn't get to train. And then, you know, we're in that week before the race week. And so, you know, I always look at that as the endurance gains are something that tend to be, you know, we think about them as long lasting, but they, they take a long time to build, right? When we take a look at our top endurance athletes, they're usually like they've been training for 10 plus years. Uh, but, and it, you know, again, the gains last, you can take some time off and you're still, you know, have the adaptations, but they take a long time. So nine days out, like you're not going to necessarily get endurance or fitness gains per se that you're going to see on race day. What you do risk though, especially if this is a long ride or a long, certainly a long run is, is fatigue, 
right? Because we're getting into that time period where we actually want to start being fresher, right? The, if we look at our fitness score and our, you know, TSS or our load, we want the week's load not to be so much greater than what we're used to, right? We, want, we could call this a taper or a peak or, you know, just we're not overdoing it, right? We're sort of at our normal day-to-day load or even a little lower so that we're starting to get positive and feel fresh and ready to, to ride, right? To be feel recovered, to feel ready to run. Right. So if, say, for example, and this wasn't, this is not the exact situation, but say you had a, an eight hour ride that was supposed to be that long ride. Yeah, let's I, say like, I, a, I would not do that. I, I think okay. we're, you know, we're almost looking at like, maybe you could get a, I think, I, and this is maybe what I said, you know, something like you could maybe do a two or three hour ride on the bicycle you're looking for. Well, you didn't let me finish Sorry. my, Sorry. I was going to say, so the, the two weekends that got missed, say it was a six hour and an eight hour that got missed. So yeah, where do you, what do you do with that? You obviously aren't going to go out and do an eight hour ride nine days ahead of, like a week ahead of your race at that point. Um, I don't know if that's obvious, but you probably wouldn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is where we could look at, you know, again, something like a 90 minute to three hour, three hour, probably at the most, uh, and thinking a bit about the quality again, we should probably be, there's probably workouts that you're forgetting that are like the, we could call them the peak workouts, the taper workouts, the speed workouts, the sprint workouts, whatever you believe in, whatever you would do in the week. We don't want to drop those just at the sake of the endurance. Like we're, we're making in this way, it's like the endurance athlete bias to think that hours are more important than the quality. Uh, and again, in those last month, we're really thinking like, does my bike work? Does my gear work? What are the things that are going to make me DNF or have chafing or have to stop? You know, am I dialed on fueling? How am I going to be really low stress those weeks, two weeks before? So to me, it's you're you're into the window, right? You sort of you're showing up with what you have. Um, Right. And and I always think back to that Rebecca Rush quote of like, you're never as prepared as you want to be on the start line, like no matter what. But sometimes you just have to show up and, and, you know. Go. Yeah, yeah. I think to me, I, I really think about the mental side of this, which is for a lot of people, that would be super stressful, missing your mm-hmm. two last big rides or having a, in the, the marathon case, having your last like long run not go as well as you wanted it to or didn't actually even get to finish your last long run. That can put you in a pretty weird state sort of thinking about your upcoming race, right? Um, so I would actually kind of to your point, I would really be going back and looking through my training log maybe, and even just kind of noting like, oh no, I did all of these, these yeah, workouts, I did all it? these long yeah. runs, I did all these long rides. Uh, you know, you, you have done the hard things. It's not like you haven't done anything ever. Um, so I think it, it's worth just taking even 10 minutes just to scroll back through and just be like, oh, okay. Like, this actually, this was kind of an outlier normally I've been pretty consistent. Normally I've put in the, the volume. Normally like I've hit all my workouts. Um, right. I think that's, that's a good place to start. I, I would say with, with the running situation where you have a few more weeks, I actually think four weeks out is fine to do a, a longer run, especially if uh, in, in this particular case, getting to that 20 mile mark was like a big mental thing. Right. And you do have to balance that, the physiology versus the psychology, right? Especially with marathons where you know that there's going to be that like the marathon wall that you hit right around mile 20 uh, for most people because going over 20 miles is just, it's huge. Most people are never going to run 20 miles in their lives. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and there's, you know, some people do hit it, but like there is the idea that, you know, some of it is, is also just the pacing, right? And being conservative early and knowing your pace well. And, and again, you've probably done lots of training. Uh, the plan, I think, that you, of the person you were talking to 
seemed very linear and that it just kept stepping it up and stepping it up. So I imagine there was a lot of practicing of like the pace you're going to hold. Uh, so, you know, you just go in a little conservative, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you go at it and as a first time marathon, you know, or a first time event distance where we're really thinking is, you know, I have a client going for their first gravel race. They have lots of experience in, you know, longer distance road, but it's very much, you know, this is our complete before we compete, right? I really like this. It's difficult to say, but that's the idea, right? We, we got to get some reps in. So we're going to have a really long run in four weeks, <laughs> you know, in this, this case of this, uh, person you're talking to is, you know, you're going to it's going to come again in four weeks. You want to be recovered. What happened in this one is, you know, you weren't recovered. Uh, and I think you're right. Probably something long, whatever we can agree on is like the balance between being smart training and, you know, being feeling like you've, you're, you're ready, uh, is probably good. Uh, as far as the, again, risk reward, right? If we end up with knee pain for the last three weeks, then what was the point of doing 21 miles? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know, again, we, but we're talking about like all systems are go, like no signs. Yeah. And again, to... like why would we ignore the last three weeks of the plan that again, probably have things like speed and, and recovery and, and, you know, again, getting ready for the marathon. What could go wrong in a marathon with like bathroom breaks and things chafing? And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you talk to them a bit, a bit about, uh, you know, the aid stage, you know, what the fuel is, they're going to hand you in a cup, right? You know, sometimes it's just this classic stuff, but we forget that just thinking about hours, right? And it's just, it's just not about that, right? And this is, right. we confuse, we confuse performance sometimes with, with like, you could say physiology or, or, um, you know, training stimulus, right? Like performing a marathon isn't the same as, you know, getting a stimulus to increase your endurance, right? I always talk about 90 minutes, you know, I just pick that arbitrarily, but it's the idea that like, if you go to 90 minutes, how much benefit is that? So if I keep riding for three hours and then five hours and then eight hours and 12 hours, does that, is it just benefit forever? Or would we agree that at some point you're not getting more benefit? That curve slopes down, right? Right, right. Uh, and I talk about that a lot, but again, people often forget this, right? That it's how much more benefit are you getting by riding or running more and more and more and more? You might be knackered at the end of it, but if is that the goal to be knackered or is it to get a, an adaptation to your endurance and your physiology? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that's a difficult thing to understand because the adaptation comes before we're knackered and we completely fall over in, right. mo- in most cases. Yeah. Okay. The last thing I do want to say about this though is if you notice that three weeks out of like three out of every four long runs or rides or workouts or whatever are getting missed because of work or family or or what have you um to me that's that's a good sign that your training plans clearly isn't working for you with your life right now it might be the best training plan for like right the sport but it's not necessarily like it's clearly not working for you because you know you either have like either stuff has happened in your life that you know has come in and and caused the need to shift the plan or you just really didn't have time for it to begin with which is completely understandable because this is all extra stuff on top of everything else that we have in our lives mm-hmm. um so i think seeing that as like two mi- like two missed weekends because of kind of freak stuff okay but when it's consistently becoming more of an issue then that's you know, so it may be that like Wednesdays, it seems like might be a good long run or ride for this per- well, the one person I was talking to. 
uh, it also may be to that, like some days we just have to be like 90 minutes is all I have, right? There's lots of days I want to ride or run more, but I got to be back. And I aim to get 90 minutes in. Well, you always laugh about this. Whenever you're talking to new clients, often you say like, how many hours do you have in a week to train? And they're like, oh, I've got like 15 to 20. And you're like, okay, so Monday. Oh, I don't have time Monday. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, uh, I have like 30 minutes on Tuesday. And you go through and you're like, so you actually have four and a half hours to train mm-hmm. uh, realistically. So I think it's, it's really important to just kind of think about it a little bit more globally too. And actually the the switching the long long thing to a weekday, that's I found that worked really well for me when when racing was much more of a thing in our lives, either when I was, you know, managing a cyclocross team or even just when you were racing a lot and we were traveling a fair bit on weekends or we'd be doing clinics on weekends all the time. The long run on the weekend doesn't work when you're coaching a clinic all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe so. even relates to that previous question, right, of rethinking what the week is. And, and, you know, we said that, but we didn't say it explicitly that, like, you know, you may have to shift things so that, like, the weekend's midweek, if you have that flexibility, right? And that might be, you know, getting your spouse to take over on Wednesday nights and you get it to work at five and then you ride till eight, right? And that sounds, you know, that's three hours. You know, it's a, that's a long day, you know, kudos to you for doing that. But that, if that's the goal, that might be the thing. And then maybe that gives you like a Sunday where you're sort of like relaxing a bit more yeah. or something. And even getting into that, like thinking, ask your boss if you can do eight to four on Wednesdays or something like that. If you are working more of that traditional nine to five kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thinking about being a little more flexible because the, and actually we're going to have an episode coming up on this because I'm so passionate about talking about like shift work and just all of the different schedules that people have now. Um, I just think it's ridiculous that we still base everything around the idea that everyone has a traditional Monday to Friday, nine to five job. Like it's just not realistic for any of us anymore. Really? Right. right. Yeah. And the shift work's a tricky one, right? Of balancing. I have a few nurses and firefighters, right? And it's how do you balance sleep and recovery with quality? And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, all these hours we think we should be doing, but again, you're working 24 hour shifts or something. And, And, you know, we we have a lot of students who listen to this. We have a lot of people who are working multiple jobs, so they're not working just like one sort of set set of hours so i think Mm -hmm. that's that's a really valuable thing so uh stay tuned for that coming up because sure i think that's a super interesting one um but let's get on to last question last question so track without track is this one right so it's track cycling uh you know how do we get ready for this you know those tracks are still slow to get going from what i understand you know reduced times fewer people can be inside uh, and it's also just a discipline. It, it reminds me of swimming in some ways. It reminds me of what's, what's another similar cross country skiing would be similar. You just can't do the thing, you know, as much as you maybe would ideally, right? If you could just pick how often you could ride on a track, or, uh, you know, a velodrome, you know, you probably would have someone doing the thing they want to do more frequently, more specifically. Yeah. And we, we talked about this obviously before we hit record here. And I mean, I raced on the track for a year or so when I was still, uh, back in New Jersey, and I was sort of between the two tracks. I was near the, I was about an hour and a half from the Casena Velodrome, and then about an hour fifteen from Trexler Town. So two of the bigger velodromes in the in the U.S. And I never really rode on the track except to race because it was, you know, hour and a half to get there, hour and a half to get back. That's three hours. So unless I was going to suddenly like go all in on becoming a professional track racer, it made no sense for me to go to the track to train. Right. But I still really like the Which idea. Which is a nice way to get time back if you just ride at home instead of driving to some of these things. Yeah. So that's that. Like, would you ride three hours from home on a Wednesday or would you go to the track and train for, you know, three by six minutes or whatever you actually get to ride? It's a tough one, right? It's a tough one. So I think 
from what I can tell, I did a quick look at this person who was sort of asking this and, you know, I, I think they're doing a good job, right? You, you ride your road bike and you're probably doing strength. I would think those are probably the two big rocks, honestly, for most cyclists, but you know, riding a road bike, riding on the, uh, sorry. And then strength training, uh, in a, you know, a way that you should be doing for track. You know, I'm not an expert at track cycling, but I think there's a lot of people who race track, especially over the last year and a half, many who went to the Olympics and medaled who didn't get a lot of time, you know, even on the track, right. Yeah. Or maybe on the track with teammates or on, you know, there was a lot of limited and they still were able to perform. And so I think that's a testament to like, it's basically bike riding. There's obviously some fixed gear and some sloped walls and some tactics and some rules. But. And we thought through some kind of practical applications, like practicing things like standing starts and starting in a harder gear that would be more traditional to like a track gearing kind of thing. And I suspect though that people who are into track probably know these things better than us. Like it's, you know, probably like a hill interval where you have a, you're over geared or something. I would imagine you'd be doing something like that. I know the the track, we have a Pan Am track down in Milton, Ontario, near, near Toronto. And I know they were getting around, you know, they wanted to work on starts and they were maybe just trying in the parking lot and things like this. So this is like a standing start, right? It's, you could probably just go do a cyclocross race or something. But if you wanted, you know, get your fixed gear bike out and you could probably figure out a way to do this in a safe, you know, open space, parking lot, whatever. Uh, you know, if you really needed to work on the technique on that. But I, I don't know. I don't know how much people ever really do it, right? So I think that as a track rider, you're probably very used to not having access to the track. Uh, hopefully it gets better uh, for whatever reason, you know, you're not getting access to it, but I think you're probably doing well if you're, if you're, you know, again, I think I saw some deadlifts and, you know, some, some classic weightlifting. I don't think it has to look like cycling. I think you want it to be just classic weightlifting. Uh, and then again, whatever bike stuff you should be doing, whatever you'd normally be doing. Uh, and then I, I don't know, you figure out the track, hopefully it gets better. I'm going to say if you're newer to the track, like if you've only done it a couple times and you really loved it though, and like you want to get back to it, but you just haven't really been exposed to it that much. If you can get your hands on a fixed gear bike, I do think there is a huge value in learning to operate one of those. Probably. Because yeah. I, I realize you're talking to someone who is much more experienced on the track. we don't know. Yeah, you but... think. So you keep... See, you're a good cyclist, so you keep just kind of being like, oh, yeah, fixed gear, totally casual, well, that's what not I mean. a it problem. It depends where the person's starting from, right? Because this person may be starting, as we were saying, they may have to, like, really dial in on this and, and go hard on it. So you're right. If that's one of the things, then we're like, okay, we're going to go to the track and we're going to get really shocked. What can we tick off? I think you're spot on. Find a fixed gear. You know, go ride it to commute, commute every day to work. I, I don't know how much of a barrier. No one ever really talks about that. So I don't, maybe it is a barrier. Well, though. I think it would have been for me if I hadn't been super hip in college and had a fixed gear to get around campus. So I actually knew how to ride a fixed gear because of just getting around campus like a cool kid. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if I hadn't had that, it would have been a pretty like, pretty unpleasant surprise the first time sure. i hit a track sure. i will i will say that so i think that there's value there so we can go deeper if someone has a suggestion for a, a track coach you know it's, it's sort of again I, I haven't spent much time with that um it's only sort of stories i've been told from other coaches uh but yeah if people are keen on track stuff we can certainly have someone on to, to talk about that yeah and i think the more global answer to the question is sort of what you alluded to where you're sort of breaking down what are the elements to the sport um and well, the demands like yeah again because you could get you got sort of towards the like it's a fixed gear bicycle but you could also just look at like physiology wise like what the track riders have always sort of strength trained so it's right. more more accepted for that i mean we're all coming around but so that's like peace right you're gonna have this huge high force to get going or to sprint or whatever 
Um, now this is, and then you're pedaling a, a bike. Yeah. Right. Now this is a really specific question, but this is one that you actually get in your coaching all the time where you have people who live in, you know, live in cities, live in Toronto, live in New York city, uh, you know, all over the place that want to race a race like Leadville or, but never ride a mountain bike or climb a hill. Yeah. 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 Make it happen. So this is, this is not an abnormal question, right? A lot of people do not live near the exact thing. I mean, we live, we have a great rail trail right behind us, but we're a few miles from trails and you know, that, that is not much. And theoretically you could drive to them every day, but we, as we just kind of talked about, even, even if you think about it, it takes me 20 minutes to drive to the trail. That's 40 minutes of my day, which is not nothing. Right. Right. Like that's, it's laughable to some people who have very long commutes, but you know, on the global scale of you only have so many hours, 40 minutes in a car is a lot when you're trying to do like an hour run. Yeah. So you pick your battles, right? So maybe, maybe do some extra step ups and you, you work on your running and you try and find some hills to run up and down. And then sometimes you ride, run to the trails yeah. or, or, or ride, yeah. drive to the trails. So I think it, it is about commitment though. It's about, okay, if you want to race a Leadville or you want to like race on trails, like, okay, you're gonna have to get to the trails at some point. Um, so you, I, I think, I mean, you can do it. It's just like, how ambitious is the goal, right? If, it, if this is just like a challenge to try and finish it again, like you can do what you want, you know, the, uh, the, I think it's Chris Roxy, you can drive a, a car with your feet if you want to, but that doesn't make it a good idea. Um, well, and also just like, why are you doing that goal if you don't want to do the training or you can't yeah, possibly Yeah, so that's a little the... different. I think this person's really psyched on track. And I, yeah. I, 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 I think that they're, you know, able to get to the track in normal times. But maybe they're, maybe they're ex exactly what you're saying. Maybe it's a three-hour drive. It's too late at night. It's not working with schedule, whatever. Uh, so then, you know, it does get to that ultimate question is maybe not this year. And maybe we do something else. Maybe this is the cycle cross year. And we work on some of the other elements of cycling that are certainly going to cross over, right? Skills are going to cross over the low, you know, force out of the bottom of that sort of off camber climb when we have to sprint back up it. Uh, I, I think the athleticism getting on and off the bike is, is, is just great overall. Flip flop that hub, throw some, uh, <laughs> throw some race, it, race it single speed. I mean, I don't think that's a bad <laughs> idea either. So, I mean, there is that of like someday, but not this year. Um, you know, maybe if it is, if it's a COVID related, you know, there just isn't track times. It's at weird times, just Sometimes it's like just focus on something else uh, that you can do and that isn't going to provide the stress. And, and I think, you know, I just got off the phone with a client who lives in the mountains, used to do crit racing and cyclocross on the northeast. There isn't really cyclocross where they are, but there's amazing mountains so they can hike and they can do like backcountry skiing. And it's like, yeah, you, you should use this environment, right? That's, what, that's why this whole comes with an athlete thing is embracing where we are, right? Sometimes you can swim, sometimes you can't. So I think the only last thing I had is definitely go back and look at some of the... Uh, cross-country skiing podcast we've done uh we haven't done much around swimming we did some stuff early in covid so if you can bear that like you know re-entering the beginning of of the pandemic there's a lot of podcasts and things going around about how are we going to swim right how, what are the swimmers doing without being able to swim right and that's probably been one of the most affected sports i would say cross-country skiing was actually probably one of the better overall they just always have to deal with no winter uh, separate from the pandemic, but getting worse and worse every year. When you think about, again, a lot of these topics around like being a healthy person, what can you work on where you are, you know, general fitness is important. Strength training is important. What do you need to learn? What can you, what can you work on in your sport? Right. Do you understand the rules of track? So there you go. Hopefully some ideas track without track. 
Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up there uh, again. If you have any more questions, hit us, hit us up over at consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram. Uh, we're over on Twitter, we're over on Facebook, and uh, this will be on YouTube as well. If you prefer watching us be weird in that format, um, and yeah, let us let us know what you think. Hit the rate, review, subscribe, etc. buttons in wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete and we will see you next week. <laughs>